And I was a little uncomfortable with it. You know, God has a great sense of humor. You know, that was the one thing about VFC that I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. We have Pastor Ann, you know. (laughs) And so um, as I went back and studied the scripture, you know, I, I knew in my heart that it was okay, but I couldn't explain it. And so I went back and studied the scripture and got uh, looked at the whole and the context of the scriptures that I had previously learned. I realized that God wants um, the whole body of Christ serving and ministering in every area. And so I'm so thankful for Ann Nunley for being a pioneer in this area and being willing to um, to step out and be obedient to what God called her to do. Um, In talking with her, I've realized she had the same uh, reservations herself because of uh, what she was taught as she was growing up. So I'm I'm appreciative of her. So if you have questions, I want to encourage you to investigate um, the scripture and look at the whole context. And Pastor Jamie has a sermon that's online called No Girls Allowed with a question mark. Um, that's a really great message about this topic. And you can look online. It's um, back from September of 2014, or you can ask for it at the desk, and they'll make a CD up for you. So for the months of June and July, we've been talking about um, This Is My Story. And we've heard some great uh, stories. Um, Last week, Pastor Jamie shared Nehemiah's story. And um, Nehemiah has a great story about... um, withstanding the attacks of the enemy. Uh, Pastor Jamie talked about how the enemy will distract, discourage, or discredit you. Those are the tactics of the enemy. But like Nehemiah, we can, um, and we need to pray, plan, and persist. So if you didn't hear the message last week, I encourage you to get that. Um, Previous week, we heard from Bobby Strahan and just a wonderful testimony of God's faithfulness and his healing. And so I encourage you to look back um, at those messages from the last um, few Sundays. We also heard from Larry Nunley with a great message about his story of being in the church for years and not being saved. So as I get into my story, um, I wanted to read uh, Psalm 46, verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So I'm going to tell you up front um, part of what I want your takeaway to be, um, and that is that God is faithful. He is um, with us in tough times and in good times. He is always near us, and he will see us through. He does not distance himself from us. If you're going through a rough time and you don't feel like he's there, he is still there, and all it takes is us turning our eyes to him. Um, Even in the most difficult times, his peace, his comfort, his abiding presence is available. So that's that's part of what I uh, want you to get away, take away from here. Um, And I've been praying, asking the Lord just to to speak through me, just to share the parts of my story that would minister to people here. Um, when I first started um, thinking about this message, you know, I was thinking, well, there are only, you know, maybe two significant things anybody would care about. And so as I started, you know, thinking through what God's done in my life, I'm just so amazed at his faithfulness. And I, I realized there, there is so much more, <laughs> and I could not share it with you in 30 minutes. So I've picked out a few things that I felt like the Lord wanted me to share with you. 
So um, just um, kind of as an introduction, I'm going to give you a little bit of background about myself. Um, I'm the oldest of two girls, and I grew up in Thomasville. Um, My life centered around uh, school and church. And um, I was in a Baptist church. I was there for all, every child activity. We were there Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, uh, missions, activities, and all that. And um, and school was very important, too. Um, I, I was in the county school system, went to Garrison Pilcher for five years, switched to city school system, graduated from Thomasville High. Um, I had wonderful teachers um, in the school systems and at church. Um, as I grew up at church, I was really blessed that um, my family and my teachers recognized the authority of the Word of God. I mean, I, I heard the Bible stories. I believed them. I knew it was true. I could see the Word of God lived out in the lives of the people I was around. I c- truly, the love of God was shown through my teachers at church. And um, when I was nine, um, I made the decision to make Jesus Lord of my life, and it was a real decision. It was a natural outgrowth of what I had learned, what I knew about the Lord, and I recognized that I was a sinner and that I needed a Savior. I needed, some, I needed forgiveness, and I remember the, the conviction that I felt um, when I heard a message about the how your heart can become hardened if you say no to the Holy Spirit. If you feel that leading to make a commitment to the Lord, but you say no, that it makes it easier each time to say no again. And that grieved my heart, and I did not want to be in that place. And that's what um, the Lord used to motivate me to make that commitment um, to, to make him the Lord of my life. So I want to encourage you, you know, you need to have your children, your grandchildren in church and in hearing the word of God. It's important. It's a good foundation. It's the best foundation for the rest of their lives. Um, as a teenager, I, I loved God and I wanted to serve him. Um, I, I think I was probably a little too um, rules and uh, had a little bit of legalism as far as following the rules. I was a firstborn. I wanted to do everything right. Um, and so um, I, I tried to do the right thing. And um, I, I was uh, very achievement-oriented um, in school or at church. If there was some something you needed to memorize to get an award, I was going to memorize it. You know, if there was whatever the teacher, you know, gave us an assignment to do, I wanted to do my best. And um, especially as I got into high school, I really felt like I didn't fit in at school. Um, I was made fun of, at like like goody two-shoes kind of made fun of. Um, I, I remember um, a, a friend in the class calling me special, but it was not a good kind of special. It was like, oh, Cynthia, she's special. You know, like, she's not going to go do what we do, and, but, you know, she's special. And, you know, it really bothered me. I mean, I, to me, um, high school years were the hardest time as far as peer pressure, you know, of, of, of wanting to fit in and wanting um, people to, to accept me. Um, I was also special because I made good grades, and um, I don't know if you all know about uh, curves, you know, grading on the curve. Um, A lot of times I set the curve, which is not a real popular thing to do. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I would be embarrassed to tell people what my grade was. You know, I didn't want them to know that, that I had set the curve and that I was the reason their grades weren't higher. Um, so um, I remember being um, in a meeting um, with some teenage friends at my church, and we were asked to write a letter to someone that, um, that we respected. And, and I want to share with you the, the girl that called me special wrote a letter to me saying how much she appreciated my character. And that just really blew me away. That was um, God just giving me a, a, a little bit of encouragement that, you know, even though I was um, teased, that, um, that I really was having an influence on other people. So I, wanna, I just want to encourage you in that. Um, that you don't know who you're influencing. And the very people who you may feel are ridiculing you or who are your enemy in some way um, may be the one that God is speaking to their hearts and they're just not willing to tell you about it. Um, I um, met my husband, Duke, when I was a senior in high school. And um, it was kind of a blind date. Um, He found me in the newspaper. Um, (laughs) Just so you know, it wasn't in the personal ads. Um, But um, that's another story I can share at another time. Uh, But we went on our first date, and uh, uh, he asked me about school and what I was planning to do. And, you know, I I wanted to go into engineering. And so he asked me what colleges I I was thinking about. And, you know, I told him, well, Rice... Northwestern, Vanderbilt, and Georgia Tech. And Duke looked at me with shock going, those have the worst football teams in the country. (laughs) And so, um, just so you know, in the 80s, they really did. (laughs) Um, So I should have realized immediately that academics were not real important to Duke. Um, But I learned that um, later, although he did great in school. He he made it through. (laughs) So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so my my senior year in Thomasville at Thomasville High, um, I um, I was uh, Miss Thomasville. I was in the the local pageant. Oh, we have a photo. If you notice my handsome chauffeur, that's Duke in the really cool sunglasses. They're driving. Um, I learned to wave properly, and um, also I, I believe God used that time um, to help me gain confidence in front of people. Before that, I would not have stood up in front of anybody. Um, but also, oh, and you can take the photo down now. That's enough. <laughs> and also, um, looking back as I was thinking about this, you know, I really believe God started at that point putting a love for Thomasville in my heart. It was during that time that that I represented Thomasville literally, you know, and I was telling people about Thomasville and what a wonderful place it was and the history of Thomasville. And prior to that, I don't, I don't know if you were like this, junior high and high school, you're like, I'm just ready to leave this pitiful town. You know, there's nothing to do. You know, and God just totally changed my perspective as I went through this, and I learned to, uh, to appreciate Thomasville. And um, my, my heart now is for the city of Thomasville, is to see the body of Christ unified to see the city of Thomasville um, moving in the things of the Spirit and just seeing an awakening and revival that, that transforms the city. And I believe seeds of that were planted back then. 
Um, so, um, so I graduated from high school because of my grades. I got lots of scholarships, and I chose to go to Georgia Tech. It was a very logical decision. I, you know, I was my guidance counselors recommended it. I was good in math and science. Um, it was a good career, and um, the doors were open. I remember praying about it. I I did not know that I could hear God speak about specific things back then. I just knew I could pray, and um, and so I, I went and did that. It was not, I mean, I think part of my reasoning was you can make good money. You know, it's a prestigious career. There was, it was not godly thinking as far as, you know, my choice of a career. Um, but, um, but God has used my experiences there. Um, in college was probably my weakest time as far as faith because um, I wasn't in a church. I never moved my um, church membership to a church in Atlanta. Um, I held on to my faith. I knew what my core beliefs were, but I did not influence anybody. I just barely made it through, you know, hanging on to what I believed. And and I love talking to students who are planning to go to college and just encouraging them um, to get grounded and get connected. And community is important. A Christian community is important. Who you hang around is very important. And you're going to be influenced by those who speak into your life. And you want to be sure that those influences are, um, are godly, are people who are encouraging you in your walk with God. Um, so uh, Duke and I dated all through that time and came back to Thomasville and got married and started working and um, I'm, I'm just going to rush through some stuff. <laughs> um, I worked as an engineer at a bearing uh, manufacturing plant in Cairo. And um, I was way over um, committed to work. I was um, definitely a workaholic. Um, I got my um, self-esteem um, from uh, what I did at work, from the praise I received at work. Um, and... Uh, to the neglect of Duke, and you know, um, Duke would have been very happy from the beginning if I was just if I was a stay-at-home wife, and that was um, just I was just way too uh, independent, and God really worked on me in that. I, I'm um, amazed at young women who have just the heart of God for their family at a young age. It took God a long time to stir my heart. Um, toward family and home. Um, there was a point in my... Um, thank you. So um, there was um, a, a point in my work. Um, I, I was moving up very quickly, and I um, ended up being the superintendent of a product line that um, we, um, we made parts for General Motors, uh, I was traveling to Detroit a lot and to suppliers in Canada, and uh, it, it was it was a um, it, to me it was exciting, um, but it was all consuming. I mean, I I managed a department or, or a, several departments, a product line that worked three shifts, so there was always somebody there that I was responsible for, and I felt that responsibility. Um, well, <clears throat> at that time. Um, Right before I left that, I started having um, physical issues, numbness on one side of my body, undiagnosed, couldn't figure out what it was. I um, 
stayed home. I fasted for three days and sought the Lord and felt like he was asking me to work part-time. And I loved my job. I remember going to Duke and telling him that I was going to start working part-time. And he looked at me and said, no, you're not. I mean, he, just, he knew my heart. He knew there was no way I was going to give that up. That's, that was my life. <clears throat> so I actually wrote the letter out and handed it to my boss because I thought I would chicken out and not actually tell him what I wanted to do. Anyway, the Lord worked it all out. And now I look back at, at what I was doing. I have no desire <laughs> to go back into that environment. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, God, God changes, you, you know, as, as you submit to him and obey him. Um, so I'm going to jump ahead because I want to be sure to share um, a um, particular part of my story. Um, so Duke and I were married 12 years when our son Thomas was born. Um, we had sought God for several years wanting a child, and um, we were so blessed um, with, with Thomas. And um, uh, four years later, our son Matthew was born. And uh, when, um, when Matthew was born, he was born three weeks early, and he had some health issues. Um, he was um, in the NICU in Tallahassee for uh, 28 days. <clears throat> Um, we, um, during the time, um, uh, Matthew showed some improvement, came home, but then he, um, didn't develop like he should, uh, he wasn't able to sit up on his own. He wasn't able to crawl. And, uh, so around, uh, five months, we realized that, that there was a problem. Um, at this time I was, um, into the Word of God, you know, um, I was uh, filled with the Spirit. You know, I'm praying and believing God for Matthew's healing. Um, I recited scriptures over him. I probably memorized more scriptures during the 16 months of Matthew's life than any other period of my life because I was reciting the scriptures over him and praying over him. Um, my, um, I, I honestly believed he would be healed. Um, when um, I, he was, um, we had taken him to different specialists, never got a diagnosis of what the, the root issue was. And um, there was a, in the spring, in May of 2007, he started having breathing problems. I took him, we took him to the hospital here, and they said, you know, there wasn't anything they could do. Um, so then we had him, um, we're able to get him into Eggleston. So he was uh, life-flighted to Eggleston. Um, <clears throat> he was put on the plane, and Duke and I drove up and met, met them up there um, on a Tuesday evening. He, he left on Tuesday. We drove straight up there. And um, in my heart, I knew that he would be healed. Uh, I want you to understand um, in my heart, I had the promises of God concerning his healing. And um, I went up there believing that this was it. This was going to be the breakthrough. We were going to get the care he needed and that we would see him, um, see his healing take place there. So um, uh, three days later, um, uh, during the night, Thursday night, Friday morning, um, around 3 a.m., Matthew died. Um, I, I um, you know, that was a really hard thing 
but there was there was just this tremendous peace that I cannot explain. Um, it was um, the the there was the pain of the the expectations of what I had for him, but there was this um, overwhelming abiding presence of God that is unexplainable. Um, I, I want to flash back a bit to um, our, our first child um, when he was born. I was um, believing God for a um, perfect delivery, and it was not perfect. <laughs> um, and I, I was, um, I had been on bed rest before that birth for four months, meditating in the Word of God. Um, when the birth was not p- perfect, I was, um, I believe I was offended with God. For three or four days, I couldn't pray. I mean, I, which was really kind of, was very unusual because prior to that, all I did was pray and listen to worship music and recite the scripture. And then my child is born and he's healthy, but now I can't pray. I'm like, I, I can't even think about, you know, that my prayer wasn't answered. Okay, fast forward back to Matthew's death. I'm Okay. I mean, you know, the, the presence of God was, is with me. I'm, I'm at peace. I know God is faithful, and I know he's good in spite of what I've just walked through. And so as I was, you know, thinking through this, you know, um, when the, the delivery of my first child, I was um, believing for the answered prayer. I, I wasn't believing in the goodness of God, if that makes sense. Um, uh, you don't want to sacrifice your faith in an outcome uh, for faith in the relationship. The relationship with God is what gets you through. It's the relationship that matters. It's having his perspective on everything. No matter what the enemy throws at you, your relationship with God cannot be dependent on whether he answers your prayer. You know, if your faith is in the thing that you want him to do, you are not having faith in the God who is good and who is with you in every circumstance. Um, I, I went, uh, God helped me find this book in my house full of books. But this is my journal from 2007. This, I've, I've said, written on the drive home from Atlanta. And so I, I want you to see how God can bring you through even a terrible time. And what, what I, I'm going to skip around, but what was coming out of me was scripture I had memorized in the previous 16 months. And what I said, Lord, you are awesome and holy. You are faithful. Your faithfulness endures through all generations. You lift up the downtrodden and bind the brokenhearted. Lord, you are the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Your praise will always be on my lips. Though we walk through trouble, we are not distressed. Though cast down, we are not destroyed. We know your goodness. We trust your faithfulness. We abide in the shelter of the Most High, and we rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You are Lord. You are great, and you are worthy of praise. You cover us with your feathers, and under your wings we find refuge. God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear or be dismayed, though the earth give way and the mountains fall in the sea. Um, 
I, I just want you to, that's where I was on the day Matthew died. Um, the, the Lord is able to bring you through. What, what our role is, is to focus on him and what is he saying. Um, I, let's see. I wanted to be sure to share with you after. Um, so even though Matthew died, I want you to know, I would not have spent the 16 months with Matthew in any other way than believing he was going to be healed. Um, I, 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 I cannot explain it, but I know God uh, is attracted to our faith, even in impossible circumstances. And that, um, you know, what kind of life would have been for me to prepare six months for his death? You know? But I was walking in the joy and um, uh, presence of the Lord during the six months of Matthew's life. And then at the day of Matthew's death, I, I still had that joy and that presence. Um, when, uh, so Thomas was five when Matthew died. And um, I, I want to share with you, those of you who have experienced loss, it's important that you move past the loss, not only for yourself, but for also for those that are close to you. So I had Thomas, who was five. Matthew had just died. You know, I, I didn't have the luxury to just grieve <laughs> because I wanted my son to know God is good and he is faithful and he sees us through and we can trust him. And so I would recite, I would tell Thomas, um, Matthew has a new body. His old body is in the ground, but he's in heaven. And as I would speak those things out of my mouth, it would encourage my own faith. And I was blessed to have Thomas at that age where I could just tell him everything that um, I needed to say. But I want to encourage you, whatever you're going through, speak the truth of God out loud. <laughs> speak it out loud. It will encourage your heart. What is the Lord saying about your situation? What is the Lord saying about your future and the future of your family or, or whoever it is that you're concerned about? Um, there's a maturity of faith um, and a depth of relationship um, with the Lord that comes as you weather the storms of life, um, as you take refuge in him. Um, I want to briefly share one other thing. You know, years later, I felt like the Lord was saying, think about what you believe that's not really true. <laughs> And so as I thought about that, the thing that came to my mind is that it was God's will for Matthew to die. And so, you know, I looked through the scriptures. I couldn't find anywhere where it would say that it was God's will for that to happen. I want to encourage you that everything that happens is not God's will. You know, we have an enemy on the earth. And our enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he, will, he may devour. Um, we... Um, and, and also, uh, let's see, the, Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 1 John five nineteen says, we know we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. You know, we have an enemy here on this earth and um, I have a lot of questions 
you know, about what happened or why things happened. I've had several miscarriages. Um, I, I um, believe I have, uh, there, there um, have one child here with me on earth. Um, I believe I have eight others in heaven. And so um, we, we've been through, um, we've been through a lot. Um, but um, God is faithful and he brings us through. Um, my focus is on eternity. I'm living here, um, but having loved ones in heaven helps you get your focus on eternity. And if you remember Larry Nunley's um, rope with the dot, you know, the dot is our life. The, the unending rope is our life, our eternal life. And what we face here is tiny, but how we live here changes how we live eternity. Um, So um, I want to, um, in closing, um, let's see. So we've, we've talked about heaven. We've talked about expectation for the future. And um, if you have not um, uh, made that commitment to God that would ensure your future in heaven, um, I want to invite you to do so. Um, maybe you don't have that hope for heaven and that eternal perspective. Um, so I want to, um, uh, first, let me ask you all to stand. If you would stand, please. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and ask the altar ministry team to come forward, too. Um, so, is there anybody here who would like to um, make it sure, make it sure that you will be in heaven uh, one day? So, if there's anyone here who's not sure that if you die today, that you would go to heaven, would you raise your hand, please? Um, I also want you to know that you can trust God with your past and with your present and with your future. Um, He sees where you are and he draws near to you. And no matter what you've been through, he works all things for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And I want you to know you are called. If you're wondering if that scripture applies to you, you are called. If you love God and have made that commitment to him, you are called. And he works all things out for your good. Um, I also especially want to pray for those who are um, suffering uh, from uh, mourning. If you're mourning the loss of someone, or um, maybe it's not a person, but there is grief in your heart over a situation um, or over a circumstance in your life. Um, I, I want to invite you to respond to that invitation and, and come and get prayer. I want you to know uh, that God can handle your disappointment. <laughs> He's okay with it. You can go to him with it all. He is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. That's 2 Corinthians 1.4. Um, by his side is the only place to live and the only place to come out of mourning with victory. Will you join me in prayer?